0: This year during Advent, we're focusing on some ministries that we think exemplify the Advent themes of hope and peace and joy and love. During this season, we anticipate that the Christ who came once as a baby will come again in glory. Not to take the good people to the good place, but to make this place good again. To restore shalom. To make the world whole. To remake the world so it is once again as God intends it to be. We long for that day. But we don't just sit around and wait for it to happen. As people who realize that we are blessed to be a blessing, we know that God invites us God asks us, God even requires us to get busy right now, doing all that we can to spread God's hope and peace and joy and love. We will never succeed in making everything all right. We cannot do that in our own strength. One day God will do it. But we do it anyway because it matters, right here and right now. The good that we can do in the world matters, even though we can't fix everything. This morning's theme is joy. And in a few minutes, Mike Newcomb and I are going to talk about joy and habitat for humanity. But before we do, I want you to hear a chapter from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. As always, we're going to spend more time on the theme than the text itself. So I offer you these words as a background, as a foundation as a way to kind of set the mood for this morning. These verses are from Isaiah 55. Isaiah is a long book, and most scholars agree that it's probably actually three different authors from three different time periods. Maybe they were all named Isaiah, or maybe the second two were disciples of the original Isaiah and were writing in line with what he started. First Isaiah is written to the southern kingdom of Judah before Jerusalem is destroyed. So it's urging people to change their ways before they really suffer the consequences of their actions. Second Isaiah is written to people who were in exile, waiting to come home, wondering if it would ever really happen. And third Isaiah, which is the shortest section, is written when the people in exile have started to come home, And it is full of encouragement and hope for the future. Chapter 55 is sometimes put with 2nd Isaiah and sometimes put with 3rd Isaiah. So it kind of bridges the gap between these two. Which means that these words you are about to hear were either written just before the exiles began to come home or just after they started coming home, which is pretty different. But it's either anticipating something that hasn't quite happened yet, but it's just about close enough that you can see it. Or, these verses might be celebrating something that has just started happening, but hasn't quite taken hold yet. There's still a ways to go. Either way, it feels to me like where we are in the world right now. We can see the good thing that we long for, But it's not fully real everywhere yet. So let us listen now for the joy of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 55. All of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, come, buy food, and eat. Without money, at no cost, buy wine and milk. Why spend money for what isn't food? and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest of feasts. Listen and come to me. Listen and you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful loyalty to David. Pause, we've heard this many times, right? This promise to King David that his lineage will continue. It comes up over and over again as an example of God's faithfulness to God's people. Look, I made him a witness to the peoples, a prince and a commander of peoples. Look, you will call a nation you don't know, and a nation that you don't know will run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek the Lord when he can still be found. Call on him while he is yet near. Let the wicked abandon their ways. And the sinful, their schemes, let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them to our God, because he is generous with forgiveness. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my plans than your plans. Just as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and don't return there without watering the earth, making it conceive and yield plants and providing seed to the sower and food to the eater, so it is with my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. Yes you will go out with joy and you will be brought back in peace, in shalom, in wholeness. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. In place of the thorn, the cypress will grow. In place of the nettle, the myrtle will grow. This will attest to the Lord's enduring stature an enduring reminder that won't be removed. These are the words of God for all people. Thanks be to God. Joy is a word that gets used a lot this time of year. It's an Advent word. It's a Christmas word. We don't talk about joy specifically with any of our other holidays. I couldn't think of any whether they're sacred holidays or secular holidays, but this time of year, joy abounds. Or it's supposed to. I just want to pause and say that we went to see Hayes High School's production of Charlie Brown Christmas last night. This is exactly what the whole play is all about. So you cannot listen to me go home and watch a cartoon, you'll be fine. When people try to distinguish between joy and happiness, they often say that happiness is dependent on what's happening, that it comes and goes. I think that's a pretty good description. Happiness is based on what's happening. But then the natural question is, what is joy based on? And there's no easy clue based on a word that sounds the same. So I offer you this. Joy is our embodied response when we recognize grace at work in the world. Joy is grace recognized. The spiritual discipline then for us, if we long to be more joyful, is to practice recognizing grace. If we want to be more joyful, we focus on getting better at seeing where God's grace is active in the world. Because grace is present regardless of what's happening. Grace is obviously present when good things are happening. But grace is also present when bad things are happening. And as we get better at recognizing grace, we will be more joyful. Mark came in to me this morning and was very sympathetic about some friends that I had lost this week. And he said to me, At least the sun is shining. Right? There's grace in that moment. Doesn't fix it, but we recognize grace in that moment. Sun's still shining today. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, I offer you that as a starting place then, as the background. And with that in mind, I would love for Mike to come up so that we can talk a little bit more specifically about grace and also about some of the ministries that we're working on here at Zion. (laughs) Yes. All the things you have to wear over your ears and not knock off when you take a mask off. Right, yeah.
1: Hats, microphones. (laughs) testing are we here yet? yeah can you have, yeah you can is hear it me. on okay okay I can't hear myself yeah I can't hear you either but apparently it's fine <laughs> okay well that's fine so so what you said, I don't know I can say anything else no you totally to put can. In different words yeah
0: well we've had a great conversation <laughs> but since we've grown so much this past year I would like for you to take a minute to just introduce yourself so share your name again and tell us how long you've been at Zion and what are some of the things that you're involved with here
1: Mike Nuka, as most of you know. Um, Pull it just a little bit closer I Officially, oh here we are. That makes a big difference. I yeah. officially joined the church in nineteen eighty four, so I'm not as long standing as say Mark Miller, who's in <laughs> <founded> the this church. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been here for a while, seeing a lot of different not uh, pastors and a lot of different activities and over the years there have been challenges. I mean in any church there's always change. One of my joys is seeing the church in its current form where we are celebrating joy and, uh, and doing the kinds of things that bring joy. Um, and we'll talk about habitat. But we also host uh, a place of warmth up here in this little area downstairs, which is a cold weather warning center for men who are homeless. Um, we don't house women normally, but they, we can refer them to the Family Promise where we also. Spread some joy because every every three months or so we take a week and we provide meals over there and a little bit of hosting and so forth and uh, those people it's a place for homeless families it's mm-hmm. a real children's ministry and there's a lot of joy in seeing that the kids are well cared for you know, which they wouldn't be if they're living under a bridge mm-hmm. so which does happen occasionally so there's a lot of joy that we can we can practice here and part of it is in the outreach. That
0: Awesome, thanks. Well, then I'll toss you a very easy softball and just say, how do you think about joy?
1: <laughs> I've thought about this, don't worry. I deserve, what, what do I say first? Yeah. I want to share with you a Buddhist story I read many years ago. And I think I can paraphrase it pretty closely. Um, one sunny day, a bodhisattva is... Walking between villages on a high chaparral, a bodhisattva, if you don't know what it is, uh, is a person who has attained or almost attained enlightenment to become a Buddha and decides that he is going to stay in the world to encourage and guide others toward enlightenment. This is a, a sacrifice in a certain way. Instead of going to Nirvana, staying away from Nirvana, so to teach enlightenment practices. So the Bodhisattva is traveling. Unfortunately, in India there are tigers and he encounters a hungry one. And tigers are very large and they're very fast. He turns and runs from a tiger and he finds himself at the edge of a cliff. His choice is to jump off the cliff, a very high cliff, or be eaten. He chooses to jump off the cliff. Unfortunately for him, there is a tree growing out of the edge of it, and he grabs a root up of the tree and swings down, and the tiger can't get it, but the tiger's up there. Unfortunately for him, the roots aren't very solidly co- connected to the face of the cliff, and he starts to slip and slide, and he knows it's almost over. But, being the enlightened person he is, he notices Other things around him, including on the other side, a strawberry plant growing out and a big strawberry. He plucks the strawberry. How sweet it tasted. Magnificent presence to joy. In the face of imminent doom, this man finds joy for a moment. And for me, that kind of describes the whole thing of joy. Joy is fleeting. We have to look for joy. It might hit us in the face, and oh yeah, that's fun. Like you know, if, if something happens that is good, and we recognize it. But we can find joy anywhere if we're looking for it. Hmm. It's embedded in God's creation. Yeah. It's everywhere. The question is, are we paying any attention? Mm-hmm. And so, my next thought. You see, you did you, you shouldn't have asked me this. My next thought is that. We can be very easily distracted. All it takes is reading news.
0: Mm-hmm. That's truth.
1: And, well, I mean, yeah. we've discussed this before, mm-hmm. that you know, reading news it just makes us angry. And now, I might have said this later, but to me, I, there's no coincidence in celebrating joy before love, because if we're going to have the love of Christ, we've got to find joy. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel good, Mm -hmm. if you don't feel good, it's hard to bring that kind of love to other people, love of God and love of neighbor. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm trying to find joy, imperfectly, but a long time ago I started... Uh, doing the thing where, well, as they say, stop and smell the roses, right? I'm sure Mark Miller does. But, <laughs> but, but uh, see, was there a little joy in that? We, we can create moments of joy with a quip. But, see, quips don't, don't they're not constant. That's over with now. Where, where else did you find joy? Well, you said it. Where do you find joy? Yeah, will Shut up and listen to you for, where uh, do you find joy? Well, I was going to ask you. Um... <laughs>
0: The Actually, we're picking on you so much this morning. but Sorry, I should have asked you. You want to come up and join the conversation? Um, really what Mark said to me this morning stands out to me very strongly, that where in the midst of what feels awful or hopeless, where, where does grace still shine through? Um, those are the moments. That's what it means to me. To be joyful is to say um, in the midst of the pandemic, what has happened that we still call good, right? You've probably heard me say this, Um, a wonderful teacher that I know named Alicia Scholey. At the beginning of the pandemic, somebody asked her, why did God cause this pandemic? And she said, God didn't cause this pandemic, but God's not going to waste it. God didn't cause this, but God's not going to waste it. And I have tried so hard to look for all the ways that God has not wasted this pandemic. The growth that we've, even just right here in this very context, the growth that we've seen. Some of you are here because you found the church online. If we hadn't been online, you wouldn't be here. If it hadn't been for a pandemic, you wouldn't be here. Some of you are connected in ways that you You just wouldn't have because your life was going in a different direction or you had other priorities, right? And even in the midst of things that are so hard, to me, this is God's redemption at work, right? And the good thing doesn't justify the bad thing. I don't personally think God caused the bad thing so God could cause the good thing. But we say even in the midst of the worst disaster, if we open ourselves and invite God to do a redemptive work, we will see it. I think God does it anyway, but I think we see it when we, when we position ourselves to ask for it. That's how I think about it. But it makes me think about grace. What do you, what, how do you think about grace? Let's jump to there because we're talking about, oh, recognize the grace. Well, what is that?
1: Gratitude comes to mind. Yeah. And I think gratitude is very closely related to joy.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Where is grace? Well, you know, I've I've lived a sheltered life, really. I mean, I've I've lived in a bubble. I've never bought it for anything. I had great parents. Is it still not there? Yeah, you you drift. You drift. (laughs) Well, it's okay. Okay. We'll deal with it. (laughs) So, anyway, I, I, I look for joy, and that's why I think I look for joy in serving. Because I know that I have had plenty, and I still have plenty, and I have a secure income, by the way, in my uh, in my retirement. Mm-hmm. How many people don't have that? Gosh, I mean, so many of them I promise elsewhere, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, you know, that I can get down very quickly, but being able to contribute mm-hmm. to the joy of other people to helping other people in some way gives me some joy and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Grace, gee, there's grace in everything was, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I sit down at dinner. And I, 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 I live alone and I cook for myself only normally, but uh, you know, I have learned to stop and look at my plate and say, gee with what great stuff I'd be able to make here. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm a good cook, because it's just abundant and available to me. And I think that so important, mm-hmm. but there's the key: stopping and mm-hmm. smelling the roses, mm-hmm. or stopping and thinking about the good things, or remembering the sun's still shining. That's a great comment, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, the sun makes you feel better, doesn't it? Even on nasty cold days or the, the huge wind that we had the other day, um, that you know, the sun made it feel better. You know? Yeah, can That's you? Light, isn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna
0: put you on the spot. Can you think of a specific time in your life when You were able to find grace and joy in the midst of what didn't seem like a very joyful time.
1: There are a lot of little incidents where I'm unhappy about something, or something didn't seem to be the way it should be or the way it should go. But I can think, I mean, I remember um, I was in a, a sales journey for a while back in the early 80s and living with my to-be wife at the time at least I had her to comfort me in a certain way Mm -hmm. and I didn't it wasn't like I asked thank God for my wife being there but I recognized that that as a grace because I had to quit that job I am just not a salesperson I don't do that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, but that would have been one such incident like Mm -hmm. that yeah. Like I say, that seems kind of minor compared to some people who, how about the people who lost homes, the whole town right. uh, in Kentucky, oh, yeah. leveled yesterday by a tornado. Yeah. It's never
0: happened to me. Right, right. And so what we pray is that they're finding moments of grace in that. I think for myself about a um, time when I felt like really everything was falling apart, right? Like everything that I had worked for, everything that I had anticipated about my life, the direction, the rug just got pulled out from underneath me. And from one day to the next, uh, I was not, uh, like I had, I had a home and food, you know, I had the basics, but um, relationships had been shattered, things that I just didn't know what I was going to do. And I was thinking about this because of what you said about presence and gratitude. And I am a paper planner still. Uh, and so every day on my planner, I just wrote whatever good thing I could find. Right? And I have that now. So I can go back to it. And I remember how I felt. And then, you know, Tuesday says, Joyce bought me coffee. You know, there was, I don't know, chocolate chip cookies at lunch. Right? And the, like you said, those aren't big deals. But there's, but there's grace in that. The light shines through in that moment. Yeah. So presence, gratitude, other thoughts about how we go about practicing recognizing grace. Or what grace means.
1: Trying to remember to stop yeah. and look for the things. Yeah. I mean, um, if we want to be loving people, then finding the joy that we can find in front of us. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm kind of a wise guy. I like to make quips and stuff like that. I even do that by myself. In fact, that, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I make quips at home while I'm cooking and amuse myself. Um, I love comments. And love the Laura and the your own and more my joy. But anyway. Uh, I'm just.
0: Enjoying in my mind the image of Mike Newcomb telling bad jokes to himself.
1: While <laughs> That's going to bring me joy. It's a practice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a way of. You know, it's hard. I mean, I, I'm constantly thinking. I, I will tell you, most of my life has lived inside like that. I'm constantly thinking about things, and I mean, I was thinking a lot about our conversation. I was warned uh, to be up here uh, some weeks ago. I've been doing a lot of thinking about that. And sometimes I sit down at the computer and start typing lots of ideas and, and notes and so forth. Some of which is here, but I won't be reading them, of course. It's just to jog my memory if I need to jog. But um, what was the original question? <laughs> 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 how, how, do you,
0: how do you think about grace? How do I think about grace? Or recognize joy. Other tactics for recognizing, recognizing joy. Recognizing it. Okay.
1: You, know, you have to, to look for things that are good. Okay, how about the smell of coffee in the morning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most spiritual yes. reaction yes. I have yes. ever heard yes. from this congregation. But stopping and noticing it, that's, what, that's the deal. You know, it's, it's, it's stopping and saying, ah. Oh, Sounds good. Yeah. Or we've had some really beautiful sunrises and sunsets lately. And I, I if I see the red sun into the east of my, I sometimes go out on the deck and just look at it. My deck faces east. Yeah. Just to watch it for a moment. Yes. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. But instead, of taking that time huh, mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. You know? It's looking for it, and yeah. that, that's a habit you have to just. You have to keep working at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. One other thing that I do though. dive into stories. I don't want <laughs> to know how stupid a cruel people can be. I know that that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So yeah, so if if I don't dive into that, that's a distraction away from joy. I look for articles that have something of a hope in them, something mm-hmm. that might say, hey, look at this great technology that's improving. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a nerd about that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Looking for things like that in the newsfeed in my yeah. uh, in my neighborhood. Yeah. i go out and sit in decent weather, just sit on my front porch and smell, smell the air. Sometimes it doesn't smell good, <laughs> <laughs> but in Delaware, it mostly does. <laughs> yeah, it mostly does. <laughs> it's not highly polluted, that's true. and so yeah. so it's practice. It's yeah. just trying to create an habit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what else to say.
0: About. I was thinking another way because we've been talking a lot about noticing, and we've been talking a lot about receiving, right? About receiving grace. And I was thinking, too, about the ways that we enact grace. Watch us pivot here, right? Uh, One thing, one way that I think about grace is that grace changes the system. Grace breaks the rules, right? Grace interrupts the way that things are supposed to go. And that's what we get at the beginning of this chapter that we read. Come, buy wine and milk and food. You have no money. That's grace. That's not how things work in the world's economy. If you don't have the money, you don't get the food. Right, grace changes that system. Habitat for humanity changes the system. Right? These folks cannot be approved for mortgages in the current system. But through the work of Habitat for Humanity, they have the opportunity to have a home that they never thought they were going to have. Habitat changes the system so that these folks get their homes. And their response to receiving that grace is tremendous joy. And our response to witnessing that grace is joy. And so, another way to be more joyful is not just to be aware of where we are receiving grace, but to actually participate in making more grace in the world. Mm-hmm. So, Mike came to us with the suggestion, that's why he got tapped for this week. He came to us with the suggestion last late summer to participate in what is called an apostles' build. With Habitat for Humanity. A lot of you might know what this is already. But an Apostles build is when Habitat has decided to build a a home in this city. And they come to the churches and say, will you help us? How can you support us? And so churches write back and say, "Yes, we'd like to be part of the apostles' build." Some give a little bit of money, some give a lot of money, some don't give any money, and they participate in other ways. We've already done one work day. I don't know, are there any more opportunities for work days, or are they? There will be
1: other opportunities. They don't expect the finish to finish the build until uh, next spring. So okay. There will be other opportunities. Okay. Um, we'll be looking
0: okay. For them. Yeah, yeah. Would you read um, the woman that's receiving the woman that's receiving the home here in Delaware that we worked on?
1: Yeah, you can find these on their website, but I thought I'd offer you this here. Uh, this is an excerpt from the, the website it goes into more detail, but this is the essential. Janet has worked, she's the one getting the apostles built um, house over on East Winter Street. Janet has worked for a local school district for 13 years, as well as working part-time in the local daycare center for 10 years. She is passionate about working with children, enjoys time spending with, with, her, with her family. After living in an apartment for 13 years, Janet is ready to have a forever home. That's how they tend to call that at habitat. She explained, with the cost of apartment rental increasing annually, it's becoming hard for me to afford the rent and still be able to make ends meet. I was very worried about my housing situation since it is so expensive to live in Delaware County. And it's getting more expensive, by the way. Mm -hmm. Partnering with Habitat will allow me to continue to live and work in Delaware where I can be close to my family and my work. Mm -hmm. Being able to purchase a Habitat home means financial peace for my future. And this program is truly an
0: It doesn't say it here, and it's possible the situation has changed, but when we first uh, learned about the Apostles' Build, another thing that we learned about Janet is that she's raising grandchildren. So the opportunity for a grandmother who is raising grandchildren to have enough room, to have a yard, to have a space, to be able to stay in the community that's familiar, where she's already rooted, we get to be part of that. How great is that? You want to feel joyful about something? Let's do that. So we will have opportunities to participate in workdays in the spring. As a congregation, we committed uh, to contribute $3,000 to the Habitat build. So we're going to talk about that more after the new year. Obviously, we will do some of that just with your generosity, however everyone wants to contribute. But I would really like to see us raise some of that money by seeing how we can break the rules a little bit. Let's see if we can do something a little bit more creative than just dig into our own pockets. Let's see if we can find some other ways to invite more people in the community to participate in this grace. Let's see if we can use this opportunity to invite other people to experience joy by participating in this Habitat opportunity. Great. Closing thoughts?
1: we can do, but we can't do everything, and instead of being frustrated about not being able to, do, to, to fix the world, realizing that it's done just a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. now, I've given up politics, I used to be involved in politics, I mean, big P, politics, and I realized a long time ago that that's really kind of a dead end, the real power is found in the spiritual connections that we have to one another the real not not the political connections the real power is finding ways of working together for a communal or a collective hmm. prosperity hmm. a way that we can all feel good i think i don't want to get too too much into this but i think we would see less crime if everybody had enough we would yes. so Anyway, so that's, you know, joy, well, trying to make my little corner of the world a little bit better. That's, that's my joy. Amen. I can't do more than
0: that. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. One other thing that we say about joy around here is that when we fulfill our mission of doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God, the results of that will be that we find lasting joy and we participate in God's plan to heal the world. And the reason that we find joy is because we are participating in God's plan to heal the world. So as we offer you some time for reflection this morning, Julie Corey is going to play a handbell solo called Still, Still, Still. And I invite you to use this time to ask God to help you recognize the ways that you can be part of enacting grace in the world.